Well, hello again, and welcome to our Camden Haven Anglican Church Growth Group Study Podcast. I hope that it's helpful for you. Remember, we want our growth groups to grow. So make concrete plans each time you meet to follow up absent people and make sure somebody contacts them, tells them that they're missed. And secondly, can you pray that we, as a group of growth groups, will be able to grow two new groups this year? We really want this because people need to learn the Word of God to grow. Understanding leads to relationship, and the Word of God coming to the head first is the only way to the heart. And so let's be continuing to grow as growth groups. First question is, what do you think overcoming the world means in 1 John, and why is this a good thing? Uh, if you look at John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, or has not understood it, or comprehended it. And John chapter 16, verse 33 says, I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we overcome the world by being in fellowship with Christ. The world that we need to overcome is described in chapter 2 and verses 15 to 17. A key problem with worldliness is that it is temporary and will pass away. So the one who lives for the world will never find fulfillment in the world because it is not lasting. They'll always be wanting. So do have a look at 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 to 17 to be reminded of those details about how the world or worldliness is described. Well, what does a person need to overcome the world is the next question. Uh, what they need is faith, but that faith has to be in something. They have to have faith that accepts the testimony of God that Jesus is the Son of God. Now that's in verse 10. Now remember Son of God, Christ, King, Son of David, Messiah, are all the same idea in the Bible and could be used interchangeably. To believe in the Apostle's word about Jesus, the Son of God, is to receive eternal life. So John chapter 1, that's John's Gospel chapter 1, says, To all who received him, all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, that is, born again. So the child of God has eternal life, and will therefore overcome the world, which can only offer temporary life. What testifies according to verses 6 to 9? Well, it says there are three things that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood. Now, it has been said that these verses are the most perplexing verses in all of John's letters. And that's saying a lot because John wrote Revelation, remember, and plenty of people are perplexed by that one. So we shouldn't be surprised if we find these particular verses difficult to grapple with. But give it a go and we'll see how we go. We need to work out what the water and the blood represent. Most say the blood blood refers to Jesus' life, that is, his life is in the blood. Others say the blood is his death, 
it represents his death. When it comes to the water, people say it represents Jesus' birth, the point of being, uh, you know, we're born through a, a woman's waters break and the child is in the water sack and comes out of the water, that sort of thing. The point being that he was really human, that is, he was born of a woman. Others say, no, the water is about his baptism. It's the voice at the baptism saying, this is my son whom I love. Well, there have been plenty more suggestions. The problem is, uh, I think that... Sorry about that, just had to pause there. The problem is that saying that these things are what needs to be believed to have eternal life is problematic because it doesn't say that really in anywhere else in the Bible, although these are important things to believe. It doesn't say we need to believe Jesus is human, although he is human, but the rest of the Bible doesn't focus on that. Uh, there is a, You can see how this is a difficult passage. Now, uh, be content to discuss this and not come up with an answer. See what Simon says on Sunday in the sermon or check out the drill down the following Wednesday and we'll talk about it. I personally am persuaded that these things are not referring to water as birth or baptism or blood as life, that sort of thing. But I think that the blood and the water go together and that is what is experienced when Jesus is killed in John chapter 19. Blood and water flow from his side. It is then from his side that it's a proof of resurrection where Thomas is told to put his hand into his side. So the blood and the water represent both the death of the incarnate Jesus and the raising to life of the incarnate Jesus. The Spirit is what testifies to the Son, because the Spirit being poured out is only what could have happened when the Old Testament prophecies of the Christ coming was fulfilled. And when Jesus rose again from the dead, it is the New Testament's testimony that this proves he is the Son of God. Don't get too caught up in it, but give it a go and we'll see how we go. The next question is John saying Jesus is one way to life or the one way to life. Well, verses 11 and 12 state the positive, and they say, as I turn to it on the wrong page on my Bible, they say that anyone who... Sorry, I apologise, I had to pause again. Um, verse 11 says, And this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Verse 12, He who has the Son has life. So that's positive, but also puts it in the negative so as to restrict the only way to find life is in the Son. It says, he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's important to, uh, sorry, the next question is, what is the reason John writes his letter according to verses 11 and 12? Uh, sorry, and particularly 13, sorry, 11 to 13. So we're looking at verse 13 there. I better change that. Uh, it's important to get that John uses the word know a lot. And in his gospel, he wrote, so that you may know life. And in his letter, however, it's so that you may know that you know life. Uh, there is an assurance and reassurance that John is giving 
He's not saying believe. He's saying keep believing. That's the point. The next question, knowing that you know God will produce confidence. What will this confidence produce? Well, um, surprisingly or not, John leaps straight to prayer. It will produce confident prayer. And if you look at John chapter 16, verses 23 to 28, you'll see Jesus promising his disciples a new experience of prayer and access to the Father like never before. And here, John is promising that that is what they are experiencing right now. The next question is verses 14 and 15, a promise that we will get whatever we ask for. Well, this follows on in prayer, and the answer is yes and no. No, we won't be given what is not good for us, See Matthew 7, 7 to 12, the ask, seek and knock passage. But the good news is we will be given when we ask according to his will. And that's the important phrase. And what is his will? Well, we have found out in 1 John that his will is that we love and believe. Overcoming is achieved by faith in Jesus and expressed in prayer. How will this passage help you to pray better this week? Well, this is the application bit and draw people out and ask why they should be more confident in prayer and what they will be, what they will confidently pray about. We don't want them just to say, well, I should pray more. We want to say you should pray better. And what will praying better look like from this passage? What will they pray for themselves? And will they be more confident in that prayer? What will they pray for others? And will they be more confident in that prayer? Well, there's the next study. This is a really good one. We're on our second last one, I think. So we've been had a great journey through 1 John and we continue in it this time. Really pray your group goes well and God bless.